It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It's 8 o'clock, and it is time for episode 276 of the Ron and Brian podcast. Brian, good to see you, my friend. It's been a while. It's been a hot minute. Um, How the hell are you tonight? Uh, Missing you, clearly. Um, I mean, I I have to start off by saying that I'm missing you. Ultimately, I'm going to say... um, it has been a uh, it's a it's been a, a trying week. It has been a week that has tested, um, you know, my resolve. You know, it, it it has shown me and those around me just the the person that I am, what I am made of, the material that has gone into this body, um, the soul, uh, my essence. Uh, other than that, Ron, just doing great. Really looking forward to this episode. Um, so many yeah. different topics. So many different topics we said we were going to hit today. Um, but also, how are you doing? You know, I can't complain. It was uh, it was an exciting weekend. It was an action packed weekend, uh, of which I'm sure we will we will get to some of these uh, stories. Uh, but yeah, like you said, we've got a a jam packed show tonight. So let's just dive right into it, as always. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink of the week, drink of the week, drink of the week, drink of the week. Brian, what what are you drinking this week, my friend? All righty, this is what we've got. It's still Oktoberfest, people. It's still Oktoberfest. So for those people who are sitting there saying, oh my gosh, I'm sure he's run out of Oktoberfest beers. There's no way Brian's still drinking Oktoberfest. Bam! I hit you with Hofbrau. Hofbrau's entry into Oktoberfest Marzen beers. Ron, the Hofbrau tent at the Oktoberfest is known for its lively atmosphere. Here is where the world comes to celebrate. Down Under in Lederhosen, of course, the most popular folk festival in the world, wouldn't be complete without a very special beer. Hofbrau Oktoberfest beer is a full-bodied, bottom-fermented, just the way you like it, um, specialty beer. It's fine, hoppy aroma. It's perfect alongside a classic Oktoberfest episode of the Ron and Brian podcast. Coming in at 6.3 ABV, as I said, it's using Hercules, Pearl, Select, and Magnum hops while also using light barley and Munich malts. You'll see the color, fine, shiny, a strong golden hue. The taste, supple, soft, full-bodied, palatable, with a slightly sweet finish for the ladies. Here is Hofbrau's Oktoberfest beer. Nice. Well. Ooh, this is one of the lighter um, Oktoberfest beers that we've had. Okay. Um, I would say this is probably the, on the more crushable side of things. I liked beer. I'm going to say the thing about these Oktoberfest beers, there's a sweetness in them that you're not going to get in, um, you know, drinking all your uh, heavy ales and porters. Um, but I would give this a uh, four Brian's out of five run. What are you I, drinking? 
so uh, as many of the folks out there know, this uh, this weekend was Hoppy Halloween at Broken Goblet Brewing. Ron and Brian were in attendance, so I broke one of their beers out of my beer fridge. Um, it is their Fritz's Sticky Bun Stout. Fritz's has been a cornerstone of Bucks County. Uh, some of the best sticky buns you can get in the state of Pennsylvania. So this was their collaboration beer. Uh, it is a pastry stout with white chocolate and cinnamon. Um, it is a, a nitrogen beer, which I think some of the nitrogen uh, may have gone from the can. It didn't really didn't really pop when I poured it, but that's okay. Uh, this is a 6.4%, so not too, too bad. And drinking it out of great merch is always the Hoppy Halloween 9 glass that they handed out for tasting yesterday. He takes a sip. Still good, Brian. Still good. Still good. Um, sweet. There you go. But yet you get the alcohol aftertaste. You get some of that white chocolate. You get some of that uh, cinnamon. Um, it's just, it's a tasty beer. So kudos to the folks at Broken Goblet. Now, my question to you is now, um, yeah. what exactly, can you walk me through what makes this the sticky bun beer? Like, I, um, I did not know Philadelphia known for its sticky buns. I mean... I was there well, recently. I, I saw many men walking around in assless chaps. I saw um, what seemed to be perfectly fine, um, recently oiled and waxed skin. I did not see anything sticky attached to them. I mean, if you uh, if you know the Amish folk, you know they are great with the baking. Um, they do they do sticky buns um, out in State College. You can get some great sticky buns. But yes, in Bucks County, you can also get some very good sticky buns. So it is the mixture of the white chocolate, the cinnamon, um, the sweetness that they add to the beer with mm. the hot mix okay. that gives this uh, this tasty little beer. Go take. Go take another sip. Go take another sip. I am. I am. That's you know, it's not one that uh, it's not one that sits in the fridge well. I will say that it's still good, but uh, has lost that nitrogen creaminess from it. That's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. At least you didn't lose the lactose, Billy. Going, you know, Billy's. I, I, you know, Billy mentioned to me about two weeks ago. He was thinking about putting in a new um, uh, a bit for okay. the podcast, which was today. In the Ron and Brian history, um, like and uh, you know, just to kind of show where were we, you know, at various stages during our thirty-three year broadcasting career. Here he goes right now. Two years ago today, Dave Hill was performing a comedy show at Ron's house. That's um, true. Thank you, thank you, Billy. Um, I felt I feel that bit has legs. I think so too. I mean, we have so much history, so it's good to it's good to recognize it from time to time. All right, let's hit it. It's beef of the week time. Ron and Brian's beef of the week. Brian, what's bothering you this week? Um, I'm going to let you pick. Okay. Do you want to hear me complain about my um, home renovation project or would you like to hear me complain about the um, the American consumerism mindset? Hmm. I mean, I, I well, I heard both from you for a good portion of the weekend. Let's go with the American consumerism mindset. 
Excellent. So we're going to talk about my frustration with home renovations and remodelings. Ron, I literally have hit the wall on my tolerance for home renovation projects. Um, as I complained last week at our um, episode 275, this is 276 people. We go, the, numbers, the numbers only go up just like my weight. Um, kidding people. I'll be here all week. Um, but I hit the wall this week. I have uh, uh, everything now is sitting in boxes. Um, painters were supposed to come out this week to start prepping walls. I cannot see anything they actually did. They were here. Um, they showed up on Friday. Um, it looked like they patched up one hole in a wall in this in the in the home office room. Um, everything else just sitting in boxes. Now there's plastic sheeting covering those boxes. So we're making a lot of progress going backwards. Um, uh, I, I spent a little time earlier today at a Home Depot, and then I spent some time over at a Lowe's. That's right, Ron. We went to Lowe's. You did um, went to, to Lowe's also. Nice. And um, it literally is um, the level of aggravation I felt looking at nothing but just row after row of home pro uh, renovation products. And... Um, and just people sitting there and, you know, there's the second you walk in, you already feel like you're not enough of a man um, because you're not buying like two by fours. You're not buying any kind of siding. Um, there I am sitting there measuring um, air conditioner registers and returns, not knowing what the difference is between a register and a return or why these little covers are um, different. I don't know. I don't know this kind of shit. So, um, yeah, so just had enough of it. Ron, what's bothering you? Uh, so, Brian, um, I guess what's bothering me the most this week is uh, products that are misrepresented on the Internet. Uh, most specifically, uh, what I got um, for my Halloween costume this year. Again, you uh, you you don't dress up for Halloween. I respect that. Uh, my wife and I big fans of Halloween, obviously. So I was doing a little mix of a costume this year. I was doing weekend at Mitch's. I had my head made up like uh, like Mitch McConnell. The rest of my outfit was weekend at Bernie's. Um, and so to, to get the full Mitch McConnell effect, I purchased a prosthetic um, double chin neck waddle off of the Internet, which made it seem like all you had to do was just kind of slap it on uh, with some spirit gum and it would look. Uh, just natural. And so um, here is a uh, here is a photo uh, of it not looking quite natural. It just looks like now uh, you were very aroused by my neck, which was you... probably one of the more disturbing things. Hold on. Hold on. Bef can you zoom in on that photo? Because I do want to explain why I was so aroused by the by the neck. Okay. okay. Do you, can you guys see that vertical slit that's running um, uh, in that neck, in the neck waddle? I, I mean, I know it? what you're talking about. Now, people listening, I'm sure this is enthralling because they can't even Now, see what I'm part. saying is if you licked your middle finger and just slid it up and down inside that little crevice, like what I what I like to do like yesterday was I like to use these two, these this finger and this finger <laughs> to spread the waddle out. And then I use my middle finger to just glide over that, um, the, uh, the embankment, I like to refer to it as. Um, it made your wife very uncomfortable. Made all of us very uncomfortable, to be honest. Well, I enjoyed it. So um, you're, you were not happy with the, with the product? 
You know, I think it could have, uh, I felt like it, it made it seem like it would blend a little bit better. And I feel like in looking at how this turned out, it did not blend. Again, I'm not, I'm not a makeup uh, genius. You know, it didn't, it didn't hurt. It didn't, I mean, it didn't help, but um, better, better luck next year, I guess. Well, it didn't mix with your face whatsoever. So it literally no. did look like you had something stuck to your, to your neck. Yes. And you, you really did touch it quite often. It was, uh, there was, there was a lot of disturbance from them. Multiple people were uncomfortable watching, um, watching me rub the, uh, the waddle. I, I enjoyed it. I couldn't help it. Also right. keep on people. And this is where I think I should get somewhat of a pass. I had been drinking. So True. the beer festival did run from four to eight. So we are talking, um, you know, and obviously there is some downtime in between beers, but they were doing some good pours. Ron, show sure. Glass. I mean, here's the glass. It's a 12 ounce glass that they were doing a third to a half of this glass for their pours. These are supposed to be two ounce pours by law. You're limited to two ounce free pours. They were they were pouring sometimes some of those beers I was getting was filled up to just half of it. Janelle, you're asking if um, my lady got offended. No. You know what she was? Disappointed. Um, at one point I saw her look over at me and I could just see in her eyes, she was sitting there thinking to herself, how do I explain him to my parents? Like, how do I sell to my parents that I am making the right move? Um, at one point I also saw her look deep into the, in deep into the horizon, just think to herself, have I made a terrible mistake? And, um, we don't know. Well, time will only tell time will That's only right. tell, but I loved it. Other than that, Ron, I thought your uh, costume was good. Your um, uh, Mrs. Ron's costume kicked at major ass. Yes, she was. Uh, she was weird, Barbie. I think uh, she did. A, she did a great job with that. And uh, kicked ass. Listen, it yes. was just. It was just a fun time. Now, I almost had another beef of the week. I, I kind of put it to the side, but I want to ask your opinion because I respect your opinion on a great many things. Sure. And I want to see. Maybe this was. Maybe this was me being petty. Maybe this was me being unreal. But sure. so. Well, I will ask you two questions first. Uh, would you, you are an aficionado of sandwiches like I am. Well, I love would, a good sandwich. Would you not say a good portion of uh, what makes a sandwich great is uh, the bread or the roll that it's on? The bread will make or break a sandwich. Okay. Good bread will elevate the sandwich to the point of you will forego having the finest of ingredients on that sandwich and it can still be a good sandwich. Bad bread will ruin the sandwich irregardless of what you put on it. All right. And if you were ordering a grinder, what do you what what type of bread product are you expecting when you get that sandwich? I would be expecting some type of like an a, a, Italian bread. Okay. Cut off at the ends. Maybe like a um uh, what's the what's the term that they use for those? There's a name for it. I I don't know off the top of my head, but something but like a maybe, hero. Whatnot. You would maybe expect a roll. If you're oh no 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 no, I'm expecting like a hero roll. The question is just: right. is it uh, thick, heavy? Is it light, fluffy? Right. But in the, if we're talking just pure shape, no, a grinder is a hero roll. Also so known, we, also known as a hoogie. A hoogie. So uh, we were out watching uh, the Phillies game the other night and uh, at the bar and they had a, a chicken margarita grinder on the uh, menu. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Came on just like white bread, not like like a nice white bread, like a little more upscale than just out of like a Wonder Bread. But I was Country like, country white? Yeah, 
almost, almost. But I just, I felt like if you're going to advertise a grinder, uh, I need, I need a, I need a roll. Exactly. Exactly. So I just wanted to make sure I, I would just wasn't being petty. No, you're not being petty. Um, it's all about the bread. Um, do you want, what, how would you describe the bread earlier today at Chef Vargas? Let's give Chef Vargas a shout out in, um, is that considered Willow Grove, Pennsylvania? Uh, no, I know you discovered Willow Grove today because you went to the Home Depot, but it is still in Elkins Park. So you were Elkins Park, if you, really close to my home. If you ever find yourself in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, it is a suburb of Philadelphia. I know some people will refer to it as Philadelphia proper. It is not. It is the suburbs. It's, you know, it's kind of like saying Nassau County is New York City. Like you're you're nowhere near. Um, but if you ever find yourself in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, look into a guy named Chef Vargas. Some of the um, just some of the best Sunday brunches I've ever had. Um, previously, I've had the chilequiles. Um, I've also had the huevos rancheros. I think um, you have, yes. Uh, the lady over here had the barbacoa benedict. Benedict, yep. Um, what did you have? You had something really good. I had the uh, the chorizo and potato uh, moletes. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Yes, your earlier. lady had the empanadas, and that was served uh, on a uh, uh, a bread. It was served on what the hell is it called? You mean oh, bolillo bread? So it was it was, a, uh, it was pretty tasty. We call it pan. Okay, Ron, <laughs> when you're at Chef Argus, you're not getting bread. You're getting pan. They refer to it as bolillo rolls. Bolillo rolls. Oh, it's, but it was very so tasty. absorbent. So absorbent. So Everything. I've I've never been disappointed by Chef Vargas. I hope you know what. Let's send him a clip of this. Maybe we can get on his social media. Um, Let's hope. Show him some love. Let's it's the hope. finest restaurant I've ever eaten inside of an apartment building. <laughs> well, there you go. Good to hear, uh, Brian. Um, you know, last week. Uh, People uh, people criticized uh, some of our content, saying we didn't really tackle uh, some of the major issues um, that were going on in the world. Uh, but this week, I think we are ready for uh, some hard hitting journalism. Um, and I think you know what we're going to talk about is uh, I went to see the Taylor Swift movie for a second time. Uh, so mm -hmm. for the next forty two minutes, um, we're going to break down the second. We're just kidding. <laughs> In fact, Brian, I think did we have a viewer did we have a viewer email from last week? We only got one last week, which okay. I'm very disappointed by. Normally we get dozens. This past week we only received one, which was from John Jardy of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Wow. You Willow Grove very popular this week. And John Jardy says Great to have Brian back. He breathes life into every episode of this show. Can't wait for next week's episode when Ron won't be around and we get one hour plus of pure, unadulterated Brian. Um, thanks, John. I mean, I really appreciate the sentiments, but it is the Ron and Brian show. I am champion, um, but, you know, I, I think Ron brings a lot to the table here. First off, absolutely keeps me in check. Um you know, uh, I'm scared of what I'm going to say next week. I mean, I guess this feels I guess this feels like a shameless plug that I that, you know, I guess. Listen, 
Next week, exactly seven days from right now, I will be doing this show all by myself, sitting in this room. I will not have my partner over here to uh, keep the show rolling. Um, I'll be doing it myself. So it's very important that, you know, uh, I get this, you know, I get, um, you know, the comments, the comment section needs to be lively next week. Needs to be, um, needs to be kicking. Needs to help yeah, you yeah. create some content. Correct. Because unlike Ron, who's, who's delivered 58 minutes of content two times in a row, I'm doing a full hour. You know, remember Donnie T from Palm Beach last week, he pointed out that you showed the yeah. nine minutes when you did your solo. We'll be doing a full hour. Um, so next week, don't forget, Brian, it'll be the Ron and Brian podcast, only Brian. And uh, everybody's invited except Ron because he's fleeing the country. That is true. Uh, Brian, um, obviously this week we need to talk about we need to talk about uh, we need to talk about stolen land. We need to talk about persecution of a group of people. We need to talk about you know, violence and murder and things of that nature. Uh, no, Brian, it's not the Middle East. It's actually uh, the United States. It's time for our horrible history. Ah! Horrible ah! History. And Brian, you may be familiar with uh, what is it? it's called Killings Under the Flower Moon, uh, the new Martin Scorsese film uh, with uh, Robert De Niro and I think Leonardo DiCaprio, um, who I know you're you're a big fan of. Um, you have always uh, told me how uh, admirable uh, it is uh, every time Leo uh, breaks up with a woman when she turns 26. You've really tried to model your life after that. Uh, but again, uh, so this uh, this movie is uh, it's about the uh, the Osage murders. Um, I know nothing which, about them. Well, and uh, neither did I until I, I saw this movie and I saw the premise. Um, so <clears throat> let's uh, let's kind of dive into this. As you know, Brian, uh, the United States does not have a great history when it comes to the treatment of Native Americans. Um, even more so in, in this case, uh, it, there was a period in the 19th century, Brian, called the Indian Removal. Uh, it went from 1830 to 1847. It's when the United States government uh, forcibly relocated Native Americans off their land uh, to undeveloped parts of the, uh, of the country. And at that point, the Osage were forced by the U.S. government to move from Kansas uh, into what was now present-day Oklahoma. So they move, they resettle, um, and 50 years later, in 1897, uh, oil was discovered on the Osage Indian Reservation. Uh, so a, a windfall, obviously, for the Osage uh, Native Americans on that land. <coughs> Excuse me. As part of the process of preparing Oklahoma for statehood, the federal government allotted 657 acres to each Osage on the tribal rolls in 1907. So thereafter, there, they and their legal heirs, whether Osage or not, 
had head rights, is what they referred to, to royalties and oil production based on their allotments of land. Uh, the head rights could be inherited by legal heirs, including non-Osage, uh, and the tribe held the mineral rights communally and paid its members by percentage related to their holdings. Now, this initially wasn't a huge thing until 1920 when the market for oil had grown dramatically and brought a lot of wealth to the Osage. In fact, in 1923 alone, the tribe took in more than $30 million, uh, the equivalent of what would be $400 million in today's wealth. Um, of course, uh, when that happened, the white people couldn't take the land from them, but they did uh, They did try to control the Osage as much as possible. Um, the United States Congress passed a law in 1921, which required that courts appoint guardians for each Osage of half-blood or more in ancestry who would manage their royalties and financial affairs until they demonstrated competency. As you can imagine, this was, uh, this was abused a little bit. And in May of 1921, uh, there was a, a decomposed body of a woman, Anna Brown. She was an Osage Native American, and it was found in a remote ravine in northern Oklahoma. Uh, the undertaker later discovered a bullet hole in the back of her head. However, her cause of death was listed as alcohol consumption. Um, Anna had no known enemies, and the case went unsolved. Just two months later, Anna's mother, Lizzie Q, suspiciously died. Two years later, her cousin, Henry Rowan, was shot to death. And then in March 1923, Anna's sister and brother-in-law, Rita and Bill Smith, were killed when their home was bombed. Uh, one by one, at least two dozen people in the area inexplicably turned up dead. Uh, anyone who shared suspicions and accompanying evidence about what may be going on was met with death threats or killed, like attorney W.W. W. Vaughn, uh, who was thrown from a train and later found with his skull crushed. Um, early on, uh, people suspected a man by the name of William Hale, the so-called king of the Osage Hills. Uh, this is the character that Robert De Niro plays in the film. Hale arrived in Oklahoma as a local cattleman, and he bribed, intimidated, lied, and stole his way to wealth and power. Hale and his nephews, Ernest and Brian Burkhart, migrated from Texas to Osage County to find jobs in the oil fields. Once there, they discovered the immense wealth of members of the Osage Nation from royalties being paid from leases on oil-producing lands, Hale's goal was to gain the head rights and wealth of several tribe members. Uh, to gain part of the wealth, Hale persuaded his nephew Ernest, who uh, Leo DiCaprio plays in the film, to marry Molly Kyle, a full-blooded Osage. Hale then arranged for the murders of Molly's sisters, her brother-in-law, her mother, and her cousin, uh, to cash in on the insurance policies and also collect uh, the head rights of each family member. Uh, Molly and Ernest Burkhart inherited all of the head rights from her family, and investigators soon discovered that Molly was being poisoned. Uh, Ernest's attempt to kill his wife failed. Um, Molly, a devout Catholic, had told her priest that she feared she was being poisoned at home. The priest told her not to touch liquor under any circumstances and also alerted uh, an FBI agent that was investigating the murders. Uh, Molly recovered from the poison she had already consumed and then eventually uh, divorced Ernest. Um, the story, this is also when the Federal Bureau of Investigations was first starting up. Um, apparently, uh, who was the guy that was the, the initial head of the FBI? I'm drawing a blank. That was um, uh, William Forrest. William Forrest? 
Yes, that was William Forrest, the first head of the FBI. Am I right? Are you thinking, uh, you're not thinking of uh, Ho Herbert Hoover? Hoover, Hoover. Now, I'm not thinking of Hoover. J. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover was not the head of the FBI, but he worked for the FBI. He did not want to investigate these murders. Uh, there was a lot of attempts of cover up. Um, and basically, uh, a lot of Native Americans were killed and their uh, their money and their rights stolen from them and their and their families. So that's just another bit of our horrible history, Brian. What's the horrible part? Let me I, I was waiting for you to get to it. <laughs> you don't know the horrible part of that story? Well, no, I mean, it just what I heard was America, America thriving as a country in its expansion west. I believe it was referred to as imminent domain um, where God's will um, stated that uh, the white man was going to um, conquer uh, the land until it until they hit the uh, uh, Pacific Ocean. Is, am I right? Um, I very I'm possibly I mean, you were more of a student of history than I was. Strangely enough. That's because you decided to be an English major, which was like, oh, yeah. to me, right off the bat, it's throwing in the towel of defeat. Like at 19, I, and you're like, you were already sitting there saying, give me <laughs> something useless. <sighs> I was saying, give me something I can graduate with because I was just a horrible student. Hmm. How'd that well, make Brian, you feel? What's that? How'd that make you feel? I mean, I feel, you know, I feel like it all worked out in the end. I okay. feel like it's okay. Um, Brian, before yes. we, uh, we get too deep into the show, we do want to touch on our stories of the week. Um, we have stories that we want to make sure don't fall through the cracks and that we make sure we cover them. Brian, what is your story of the week this week? My story of the week takes us to, um, I believe it's the great state of Tennessee, um, Hamilton County, um, Tennessee, uh, where two parent, two teachers, excuse me, Ron, can you put up the photo of the two teachers? Um, two teachers were recently, these are the two teachers, ladies and gentlemen, you are looking at Ezra Fry and David Acevedo, who, who both use they, them pronouns. Um, Two Tennessee elementary substitute teachers who are also a couple were cited for prostitution after police completed an undercover operation with one of them saying they did the extra money for several years or they would starve on the salary being provided to them by the Tennessee Board of Education. So Ezra Fry, who was 22, and David Acevedo, who was 25, not sure which one is which in the photo, but um, I'm not sure that that is pertinent to this story. They both work in the Hamilton County school system. Police recently um, began an undercover sting when one of the officers reached out to Fry on an illicit prostitution website Posing as a John looking to set up a sexual encounter, Fry responded to it by saying that it would cost $150 and shared what they and them would be willing to do. Um, during the exchange, Fry allegedly told the undercover cop that they would usually go to a client's house, but in, as it was, a, they insisted that it was safer. Um, to do it at their home so that um, especially when it was John's first time after the police officer um, showed uh, uh, police proof, 
and stated that this is an arrest. Both Fry and Acevedo gave statements during and after the search, stated that this was what they needed to do to maintain their lifestyle, that the amount of money that they were earning um, was just not enough. Um, sadly, police also discovered a large amount of drug paraphernalia and a 22 caliber rifle while searching their home. Fry and Acevedo were both um, uh, received several misdemeanor citations, including unlawful drug paraphernalia, prostitution or promoting prostitution, and unlawful possession of a firearm. There was absolutely no comment um, from the Education Management and Staffing Solutions, a company that sends staff to school districts, um, wh where uh, Fry apparently was employed. Um, Fry, whose Instagram bio lists um, uh, lists themselves as rabid queer gender anarchist college dropout, um, Acevedo lists uh, lists them as trans, disabled, queer, Puerto Rican, and ex ed teacher. Um, I just think that this story is incredibly sad because it just shows you the lengths that American teachers, people who are teaching the next generation of your children, the lengths that they have to go to to basically maintain their lifestyle as educators, that the um, that our education system has failed the educators so badly that the salary that is afforded them that has been approved by different municipalities does not cover cover their living expenses and they are forced to turn to prostitution um you know you and i have always um you know at least for the past 26 years on this show um have sat there and said we need to pay our teachers like rock stars and we need to pay our rock stars like they were teachers um and uh, still to this day, teachers, once again, um, here's an example, just not being paid enough to do a job that is so important to the future of this country. Um, let's hope that the, uh, the, the, the walls of justice do not come down too hard on Ezra Fry and Dennis Acevedo. Uh, Ron, what is your story of the week? Uh, my story, I guess, a little more lighthearted than that. I mean, you really, uh, you really got serious this week, but that's okay. Yeah, it happens from time to time. You know, I, I care, uh, I care about, um, I care about our educators, and even even William comes in. Another Ronald Reagan didn't cut the funding for education. No, he may have cut it, but it stay, it has stayed there. So that just tells to you um, that it's our politicians that we need to go after. Um, so there's uh, there's been obviously for the last few weeks a lot of buzz uh, around the uh, relationship between Taylor Swift and uh, Travis uh, Travis Kelsey of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and hundreds of Taylor Swift fans spent hours waiting outside of a Connecticut restaurant on Thursday amidst rumors that the pop star and Kansas City Chiefs tight end uh, were dining inside. Uh, instead, Brian, they found Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey scarecrows. 
uh, Elm, which is a new American restaurant in New Canaan, Connecticut, uh, was swarmed early Thursday afternoon by fans of all ages, hoping to catch a glimpse of Swift and Kelsey. And according to one variation on the rumor, uh, actor couple Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds who own a home in nearby Westchester County. Um, there were uh, tons of uh, videos and TikToks that were posted showing fans camped outside the restaurant until past sunset. Um, number Repeatedly, the staff said, you know, Taylor Swift is not here. Um, the restaurant did decide to move all pickup orders outside and lock the doors to the restaurant to prevent crowds from coming in, uh, which made, me, made people suspicious. Uh, and then around 4.30, uh, police and fire department showed up in an attempt to uh, disperse the crowd. But apparently it was just a, a local mom that started the rumor and uh, things just kind of went a little bit crazy. Now, does this have anything to do with the tweets you were sending out yesterday stating that um, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey were at Broken Goblet Brewery for Poppy Halloween 9? Uh, no, no, uh, no connection to that. No truth to that. I don't know why you would say these things. Hmm. 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 I like I those glasses, say, Ron. I like to. Let's not think we're going to go a whole week without talking about your new glasses. <laughs> All right. When when did you get them? Where did you get them? Um, so uh, I got them from Warby Parker. We had a new uh, Warby Parker store that opened up nearby. Um, you know, I was I was long overdue uh, for an eye exam. So finally got one a couple of weeks ago. Um, I thought it was really just the small print that I was having issues with. Um, and, and the eye doctor said, eh, we do need to up your bump your prescription up to the next level. So these came in on I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday of last mm-hmm. week. And I put them on and it was like night and day. I was like, yeah. wow. Uh, like it was like the first time I put glasses on in general. It was, you know, I could see my phone better. I could see sure. distance better. Um, so just a, a much needed change. Does that have anything to do with your um, threats to divorce your wife now? I don't know why you would even bring that up or joke about that. Well, we all know she's going to divorce you first. It's you're never going to. That (laughs) woman is a saint. You will never divorce her. If there's ever a divorce, she will be the one to initiate it. We all know it. Um, However, um, you look a little snazzy. Not going to lie. I got two pairs. Maybe 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 I'll put the uh, the second pair on when we do uh, after dark. Speaking of After Dark, Ron, do you want to talk yes. about After Dark for a moment? Sure, please do. Okay, so people, look at this um, bumper you see below, the scroll. Become a patron if you are not currently supporting our Patreon. Um, it is probably the easiest way that you can support Ron and I and the show. This is not, um, you know, we love doing this show. It is a labor of love, but it is not free. Every week, you know, um, we, there are costs that are associated to it. The website, maintenance, um, the servers that, that, are, that we are running to um, mine Bitcoin. Haven't, mount, haven't mined one yet, but we're still well, The electricity bills are just, just out of this world. Um, you know, uh, the StreamYard website that we use um, to uh, uh, be able to do this online stuff. Um, you know, some of the, uh, um, the research... Um, we we have to pay Matt Matt Beaker. You know he gets um, he works he, hard. There are some weeks where he makes more than us because you know people have not been supporting the Patreon. Um, but now you can become a patron. Go to ronandbrianpodcast.com. Click in the upper right hand corner where it says become a patron. 
Um, go there. For as little as $5 a month, you can help support this show. You know, there is so much um, so much bad going on in this world, the Middle East, Ukraine wars. Um, however, um, one of the things that we have been doing to bring some good to the world, to try to combat all the evil, is by doing one hour of free content every week when Brian is on the show. When Ron does it, 58 minutes. Um, however, when Brian does it, it is one hour, you know, guaranteed. Um, however, you know, it is a way for you guys to help us um, continue doing this show week in, week out. Join our Patreon. All right. We also uh, help fund the show through our gambling. It's time for NFL Locks of the Week. Locks. Brian. <laughs> I don't know how to how I can keep saying it in any different way, but uh, great performance by you this week. You uh, there was a couple of road favorites. Um, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders were minus one visiting the Bears. You said, you know what? I think the Bears. I think they're due. I think it's their week. Chicago wins twenty to twelve, and then you had Cleveland on the road at Indianapolis minus two and a half. You're like, you know what? I think Cleveland can win this game, but I think it's going to be very very tight. And sure enough. A last-second score helps the Browns win that game uh, by a point, but they fail to cover. You, on the other hand, my friend, cover, and you go to 14-0 and on the season. How the hell have you made it happen this far? I'll tell you how. Um, it's just skill. Every Week in, week out, you sit there. There is exactly 22 games to go through. Each game is going to have a winner. Each game is going to have a loser. It's really not that difficult to me. Um, however, one thing that I am very impressed with, Ron, is that you also went 2-0 this week. Um, Washington's laying one and a half over the Giants. You sat there and said, this is Eli Manning's week to shine. Take those points. Giants are going to win. They win the whole game 14-7. to Then... Listen, following up on your spectacular visit to your local AMC theater, you sat there and said, I love anything T-Swift that is related to. Therefore, I love her boyfriend, Chiefs. Minus six over the Chargers. They win by 14, 31 to 17. Ron, you also are 14 and oh, congratulations. Who do you have Thanks. for week eight? Uh, so next week I have... Uh, Washington minus one and a half at the Giants. Uh, oh, wait, that was I'm looking at the wrong week. Pardon me. I'm looking at San Francisco minus six versus Cincinnati, and then Baltimore, a uh, heavy favorite on the road, minus seven and a half at Arizona. Lock those two in right now. Speaking of locks. Ron, the Jaguars are laying one and a half over the Steelers. That's my lock number one. And for my lock number two, the civil war that you hate to see, the battle for New Jersey. The Jets are playing the Giants, and there is absolutely no way that I am not going to stick to that game. Jets minus three. You lay those points. New Jersey Jets will beat the New Jersey Giants. That's my locks of the week. 
All right. Speaking of locks, Brian, uh, put a little pin in this for the next time I'm up visiting you. There is a new uh, gourmet bagel shop opening up in the Brooklyn area. Um, I want to say it's like that uh, Bed-Stuy Heights neighborhood. So next time I'm up there, let's make sure we uh, we stop by. Is that the one that you sent me the link to on Instagram? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. So just uh, we'll, we'll just, but again, just put a pin on that. Yes, I'm not sure exactly Bed Stuy Heights. Um, it's uh, we'll we'll check it out. Yeah, um, Brian, we have managed to go yet another week without a Speaker of the House in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, Steve Scalise uh, was uh, looking like a, a favorite, and then he pulled himself out of the race. Uh, Jim Jordan then emerged as the next uh, candidate. Um, he couldn't get the votes, and then he started losing votes. I think on the third vote, he had lost even more support from his GOP colleagues. And so behind a closed door meeting, apparently they voted to remove him as the candidate. So now there's anywhere from six to eight candidates um, that say they want the uh, the speaker's gavel. In the meantime, um, a whole lot of nothing getting done in Congress right now. It's literally nothing, you know. Um, no, uh, uh, no bills can't be passed. No bills right. are being passed by our government for the past. And I'm going to tell you something. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Maybe the idea... <laughs> Because we all know governments only screw things up. You know, we've always wanted small government. And maybe if we just cause the federal government to come to a complete crush, uh, you know, um, you know, maybe this is good for everyone, Ron. Possibly. But we'll see. I mean, do you have any predictions as to what's going to happen in the speaker's race this week? Oh, I will say that eventually they are going to come to a compromise Um the Republicans will will probably um, my gut tells me is that the Republicans will eventually come to an agreement with the Democrats on a candidate and that there will be enough Democrats and Republicans to vote on a consensus moderate that will get passed that the um, uh, the eight far right. Um, what do you call those guys? The uh, the Tea Party the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus will um, eventually realize that they're going to need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I mean, it really is um, amazing that such a small handful of people uh, can really just derail government like this. Well, um, it is what happens when you give power to the few. Um and, you know, we have to point to uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, Paul McCarthy, who um, when he was negotiating to become Speaker of the House, sat there and said, um, you know what? I'm willing to bend um, to the few to get the majority and I will um, I will pass a regulation within the House of Representatives that it will no longer require a majority um, to put forth a call to, um, uh, you know, remove a speaker of the house. Um, however, I'm going to allow that one, any individual can put forth a call for a resolution. Um, we had never seen it before. It was not part, it used to, used to require majority of the house to call for the removal of the speaker. Kevin McCarthy sat there and said, you know what? I'm willing to sell my soul to Matt Gates just so I can say that I was speaker of the house. Um, and then I will do his bidding once in there because he will effectively own me. Um, 
well, this he made his bed, he lied in it, and um, now he's probably going to be making a lot of money doing some consulting work under the next administration. But he can go fuck himself as well as Matt Gates, and the whole Congress is a disaster. Ron, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think you also have to put a level of blame on the on the Democrats as well. I of mean, course. at the end of the day, if, if the entire Democratic Party did not join those eight or four or five or however many it was GOP people to vote out McCarthy, this would have never happened. And I saw just, I saw a no I, I saw a uh, I saw a couple. First off, I mean, the the, the level of spin that Republican speaking oh, right. heads have put out there. Um, somebody I saw a Republican congressman being interviewed and um immediately went to um, was asked the question of why is there such discord going on in Congress right now? His first answer was it's because Biden isn't being strong enough on the border. And the, the reporter allowed him to keep going, I would say probably for about 20 seconds before he sat there and suddenly chimed in with, well, hold on, it, this this has to do with the disorganization within your party. This right. has nothing to do with President Biden. This has nothing to do with the border. This is the fact that your own party threw out your last speaker and now cannot put together a majority um, to get behind one candidate for Speaker of the House. And he was hearing none of it. I mean, it right. literally, it's just, it is that mindset of, I need to make my point and I will never be I will never have my ears open to an opposing viewpoint to acknowledge that maybe there is validity to a point that I walked into a conversation disagreeing with. Just it's such a sad fucking state of where we are. And, and Ali commented whether I expected Democrats to vote for McCarthy. Um, in that instance, I'm going to say yes, because. Oh, God, no. Whoa, you know, what are you talking about? I thought you were him- being sarcastic. Are you saying that the Democrats shouldn't? So you're saying the Democrats were right to vote to remove McCarthy from the speaker chair? Absolutely. Really? Yes. How how did that? How does that benefit anyone? Because because he is a terrible human being who never deserved. He didn't deserve to be the speaker to begin with. Here is a man who literally will bend over and stretch his buttocks to the point that his anus is literally so exposed. You can see the other side of the Milky Way all for Donald Trump to literally slide his orange fisted um, uh, 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 penis all through. Um, so McCarthy is has stood up and and covered for um, uh, Trump on so many di- uh, uh, occasions over the past few years. He um, sold his soul to the Freedom Caucus so he could be able to say, "You look at me, I'm Speaker of the House." Fuck him. Every now and then, you do have to burn down the house to start building something stronger. And I do not see why it's the Democrats' job to step in to save Kevin McCarthy if his own party isn't willing to do it. Why should the fucking Democrats step in to do it? I I, I thought you were being sarcastic when you made that no, comment. No, not be, because here's the oh thing: is 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 Steve Scalise better than Kevin McCarthy? Is Jim Jordan no. better? Than Kevin McCarthy is whoever. And neither of those guys are the chair. speaker. Neither of those guys are the speaker. There was potential of that happening, and and who is be, you know again at the end of the day, the Democrats did this to 
the the Democrats did not care about the continuance of government. They cared more about making the GOP look like the fractured party that it is uh, to help them in 2024 when the elections roll around. Sure. Hold on. You can't ask a politician not to be a politician. Well, you can you can hope for people to be better, Brian. That's all I'm saying. I, I mean, I, absolutely I, stunned right now. Well, you wanted, I, at least you I can still Dem- stun you from times. Oh, listen, you stunned me this weekend when you allowed me to finger your neck for about 40 <laughs> minutes uninterrupted. Oh, yeah. Seriously, hold on, Allie. Hold on. Wait a second. Allie's making a great point. If three Republicans vote on the side with the Democrats, we'll have a new speaker. So why are you shaming the Democrats for not going with Kevin McCarthy? Why are you not shaming um, uh, uh, three moderate Republicans to not go with Jeffries? Is that the guy's name? Hakeem Jeffries. Here's my issue with Hakeem Jeffries. The man uses his hands way too much when he's talking. His hands Listen, are in I'm from New York. I use my hands of, all the time. You know, I think what has happened here is we have got a failure to communicate. And it's like he's voguing. He's voguing while he talks. It's very distracting. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you are you more comfortable with, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, freestyle dancing? You know, you're not a fan Listen, of the vote. I have not seen handwork like that since Kelly slapped me straight across the face at Hoppy Halloween yesterday. Now that stunned the room. Oh, it did. Oh, it totally did. It absolutely did. Kelly Jardy with the slap herd round the brewery. Now, to be fair, I did say slap me. And I'm still not. I'm we'd had a bit to drink at that point. And I don't recall exactly um, what the conversation was. But I was like, just slap me. Just slap me straight across the face. Um, And she did. Thankfully, not as hard as she apparently could. But uh, I still felt it. I do remember her holding her hand afterwards. Like she <laughs> felt like her hand actually felt some pain in it. So, uh, yeah. The, I want to slap you right now for that shit you just said about <laughs> the Democrats voting for Kevin McCarthy. Well, bring it. Bring it, my friend. Um, done. Well, listen, at least, I can still, at least I can still keep you guessing. Uh, Brian, one entry this week in uh, one of our more reoccurring segments, but the drag queens are the problem. Uh, We're going to Florida, Brian, one of our favorite states in the union, uh, where a former Florida high school teacher um, has died from an apparent suicide while facing trial for repeatedly having sex with a a 16-year-old student who said she kept clothes and a toothbrush um, at his home. I think we have a photo of his mugshot. See if we can find it here. And eh, here we go. You got it. Uh, so this is Charles Maglio. Uh, he had been a math teacher at Wellington Community High School. Um, he also taught at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He was facing two felony sexual m- misconduct charges after being arrested last month. Uh, he was caught Uh, professing his love to the girl in a call that was recorded by police, telling her that he could not wait for her to turn 18. Um, He was found dead uh, in the woods near his home. Uh, A firearm was found by his side and a note was located in his room. Uh, Officials did not elaborate uh, at uh, what the note said. Uh, The sheriff's office first started investigating back in December of last year after a restaurant owner reported to the principal of the school that Maglio was sending employee or sending flowers to a teen employee. 
I have a question, Ron. Yeah. Um, as someone who supports making accommodations for terrible people simply because you think <laughs> that it makes life better for society as a whole, do you think that police should not have gone after this man, this monster, for basically raping a 16-year-old girl? Um, do you think they should have just been like, well, you know, if he kills himself, then we, you know, then we have one less, you know, worker, you know, person who can be productive for society. So, you know what? On second thought, instead of charging with crimes, we're just going to let him go because we don't want anything bad to happen. Like, is that what you think the police should have done in this case? Uh, no. And, and I don't think that's a uh, apples to apples uh, correlation of my previous argument. No, no, I don't. You're a little over the top sometimes. A little over the top. You sound like you're getting a little defensive, Ron. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> well, I think you are. You're trying to put words in my mouth, Brian, and that's. Uh, I would never you, do that. You've, you've attempted to try and put many things in my mouth, and it's 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 disconcerting every single time. Tried to put my little finger in your mouth yesterday. <laughs> there was. We'll have to share that one photo of when you came up behind me and were were had your hands draped around me and were uh, were touching my neck. Do you, want me to, do you want me to find it right now? I won't take uh, too long. We'll put, it on, we'll put it on social media. I think that okay. uh, so it can live forever. Um, let's go out to Michigan, Brian. This was a crazy story. A Michigan grandmother was reportedly gunned down by a friend at a baby shower. And her son then Tragic. allegedly tracked down his mom's killer and hit her with his car uh, in the parking lot of a Detroit police station. Um, this began last Sunday when the shooting victim, uh, identified by her family as Phoebe Williams, age 53, went to a baby shower on Detroit's east side. Uh, her 46-year-old friend showed up to the event and accused Williams' son of a crime. Um, she has gone as far as reporting Williams' son to the city police last week. The two fought before Williams allegedly hit her friend um, another person allegedly spit on her. That's when the woman pulled a gun, opened fire, uh, killing Williams. A little bit of an overreaction during a fight, to you say think? the least. Yeah. Um, after pulling the trigger, uh, the woman got in her car and called the Detroit police to tell them what she'd done. She drove to the city's ninth precinct a few miles away to turn herself in but did not realize that William's son had followed her to the parking lot. Uh, when she got out of her car, uh, he sped up and ran her down. Uh, cops have arrested both William's son and the shooter, who was hospitalized in serious condition. Kind of a... Uh, How do you feel about this one, Case? So, he, so, Ron, you are at a family party. Sure. Um, somebody, um, a, uh, it's a baby shower. Right. And you are watching your mother just celebrate the fact that her grandchild is going to be born, at which point a woman walks in and shoots your grandmother to death and then says, fuck all of y'all. I'm leaving. And there's not a goddamn thing that any of you can do it. Now, in this case, this woman's grandson said, oh, Fuck no, there is something I can do. I'm going to find you when you're walking outside and I'm going to run you over. Um, is this a situation, Ron, where you would have held the door for the woman as she was leaving because you would have said, listen, for the greater good, I don't want this woman who clearly is not in a right state of mind, um, you know, to just be out there, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, potentially bumping into doors 
um, where she could bump into people. Let me hold the door for her so that she can make a, um, a, a safer exit for herself. Is that is this is that what you would do? So moving on to our next story, Brian, uh, we go to Ohio, uh, where there is a, a new bill that is going to be going out uh, to the voters. It is HB 161. It is meant to close a decades old loophole that legally permits some forms of spousal rape. Um, it amends a piece of the state code that presently makes it illegal to drug then sexually assault someone unless you're their spouse. Um, the same spousal exemption is in place also applies for lesser sexual crimes, including sexual battery, sexual imposition, and gross sexual imposition. Um, Ohio is not alone, but they are one of just 11 states that continue to provide marital exceptions to rape. L uh, utterly ludicrous. I'm going I'm to be yeah. honest with you. Um, this was a story that I put in the um, shared document that we have. Um, I did not even know that that was still a thing. I genuinely thought that any type of sexual assault, regardless of marital status, was going to be treated as a sexual assault by the police department and the um, prosecutors. I, I had no idea that states were literally making carve outs for spouses. Um, just shocking and just honestly disappointing. Um, but, you know, and in 19. The, the Federal Sexual Abuse Act criminalized marital rape on the federal level, um, but as recently as 2010, uh, a survey found that 19% of police officers from 11 different police departments said that they were unlikely to believe a married woman who claimed she was raped by her, uh, by her husband. 19%, that's one in five. Yeah. Uh, in 2021, California uh, finally closed its marital rape loophole, and Mississippi not usually the bastion of, uh, of, of good judgment, uh, passed a similar law earlier this year. Just terrible. Pretty much. Are Just you going to ask me how I would support this in some way, or you're going to twist my words nobody could, more? Nobody, nobody, nobody could su support this. All right. Nobody could support that whatsoever. All right. Uh, up in Canada, uh, Canada is going to legalize medically assisting uh, dying for people addicted to drugs. Um, yes. How do you feel about this? I'm 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 eagerly um, looking forward to the ability to roll into a um, Walmart pharmacy, uh, a Rite Aid, a CVS, a Dwayne Reed one day down the line, walk to the back to the pharmacy. Um, obviously, everything is going to be um, behind some kind of plastic locked door. Um, probably bulletproof at that point because these woke prosecutors who are just letting the criminals run free in these stores um, just basically um, slap down my credit card and buy myself one of those forever sleep pills that um, I'm looking forward to so that I can, um, you know, when the time is right, just go to sleep one day and not wake up. Um, but I think that the ability and the acknowledgement by our governments that um, human beings have the um, the right um, when um, it looks as if their future is looking terribly bleak to be able to say, I do not want to suffer anymore. Um, I think well, here, well I think, uh, and again, I would never accuse you of not fully reading um, a story that we're discussing, but 
so there there already is a, a mechanism in place in Canada for people that have a quote grievous or irremediable uh, medical condition to have assisted suicide. Right. This change would allow people suffering from mental illness as well as uh, addictions to substance and substance abuse to then also qualify um, for assisted suicide. This this bill, Ron, before you decide to just insult me, this is basically further opening the gates. You know, I'm saying let's open them all the way to the point where if I decide as a healthy, you know, 50 year old male to um, I'm not healthy. People know that, you know, my knees are falling apart back, whatnot. Um, but if, I, I do believe that we should be able to, um, there should be mechanisms in place for people that do want to commit suicide to not have to shoot themselves in a park um, in the woods behind their home. Um, you know, you get sometimes people who are, you know, doing suicide by cop, people who decide they want to commit suicide. So they park their car on train tracks, causing a terrible accident, which derails trains. I mean, um, you know, it's where people jumping out of buildings, landing on strangers on the street, injuring them. You know what? If you, the mechanism should be in place, this bill run, because I did read the article, is just making it a little bit easier for people in Canada to do it. Um, it's a step in the right direction. But I guess my question would be, should it be made easier for people addicted to drugs to be able to kill themselves? Should the government be addressing that when they haven't addressed public health measures as far as better access to overdose prevention sites, um, methadone clinics or regulated drug supply, housing, employment, all these other issues that contribute to mental health and, and substance abuse? The, the government isn't going to really address those issues, but will make it easier for those individuals that are suffering to kill themselves. I do not have a problem with anything right. you just said. <laughs> None of it. None of it. All right. Interesting. Do you? Well, I listen, I, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I, I think you should be allowed to end your life if you feel you have no other uh, alternatives. And, you know, there is, you know, it's not just as simple as saying I'm addicted to drugs. I want to I want to kill myself like there is. You have to go through a panel. They have to do all the assessments for you. I mean, there is a process going through it. To your point, you know, I think you just hate it when your public transportation gets disrupted uh, by someone throwing themselves onto the train tracks. And then you're forced to take your water taxi uh, instead of your train back to your your suburban life. How dare you? How dare you water taxi? Listen, New York <laughs> Waterways puts out an incredible product. Keeps All me right. safe. Well, Brian, as you mentioned earlier, uh, just one week away from the next Brian solo show next Sunday night, October 29th. Uh, I will be taking uh, a little break, a little vacation. Uh, wife and I will be celebrating the 10-year wedding anniversary coming up at the end of this month. So we will be uh, out of pocket, let's just say, uh, for that week. Brian, what can people have in store when they tune in to see you next week? Okay, this is what we have in store for us next week. First off, no audio clips. I'm not sure I know how to do that. Um, I do not know how to share video clips. So the content will not be me playing nine minutes of video. 
um, unlike other people who do the, do the show um, by themselves, where they feature um, video clip after video clip, almost to the lazy point of showing just a previous interview that we've done on the show um, for, you know, just to kill time. That That's not what we're going to be doing next week. First off, I know it's October, um, but I'm going to be drinking straight up scotch. I'm not I'm not drinking a beer, my drink of the week. So I'm going to be slurring the words by the 40 minute mark, people. Um, uh, we will hit some good stories. Um, a lot of it will probably delve into the personal. Um, one of the things I like to do is, um, you know, present a story and then, you know, maybe there'll be a little tangent. We could have a tangent. I don't know. Or two. Uh, I will try and call you. Will you be uh, <laughs> will you be adding the international coverage to your phone? I, I probably I be, will. Yes. So I or should I be using WhatsApp to reach you? Because we know I will. No, there is no way that I can go a full hour without you. So I will be calling you and just leaving you drunk voicemails. Um, that's fair. I'm okay with that if that's what you need to do. Will you be in the same time zone? I believe so. Yes. I I don't Perfect. think I'll be. Uh, I don't think so. I have to double check that. But I believe Perfect. I'll be in the same time zone. It's going to be a great time. And also, one thing that, Ron, you do not believe in doing, but I do, we will be doing a pajama party next week um, for our patrons. Um, we may have a, a um, Can You Beat Ron game. I'm not sure. It's possible, um, which Ron will not be participating in because he will not be there. But I may have a game to see if we can beat Ron. Otherwise, if we decide not to, we're still doing a pajama party. So if you are a Patreon at the um silver level or higher you are going to be invited to come on to the show live on after dark next week it's a great time always is um that'll be next week i will miss you buddy but i will do the best that i can without you i i hope all i can say is that i hope i do um as well as you did last week by yourself well i appreciate that all jokes aside i will miss you i'll miss the listeners uh, but it'll be good to have a little break Sure. Anything else this week, Brian? I think we need to go get ready uh, for an exhilarating After Dark experience. I think uh, the same thing. We need that to happen. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Brian, will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.